Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rhoda and with me is Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father? Good. Good to be with you. Yeah. Thank you for, for joining once again. Uh, how's your day going? Good. Yeah. Good day. Tuesdays are always, you know, kind of busy. We have our staff yeah. meeting in the morning and yeah. got some other meetings and we have the noon mass down at Holy Family. So it's kind of a groove. By the time I get here, it's like, okay, the day is progressing and yeah. we just have RCA this evening and uh, yeah, I still got to write a bulletin column. So there's just a few things going on, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. How How's the RCIA classes coming? The the, the, the the intro to the Catholicism RCIA? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've been getting a good number of people. Um, there's probably about 10 candidates and then another 15, 20 people that come with them that just want to know more about the faith. So it's kind of fun. Um, Father Rich and I kind of tag team it and uh it's, it's good I, yeah, know, I, I, I enjoy I, it i could see you two being a good a good mix yeah kind, I, th- I think kind of like good cop bad cop but i mean yeah but not yeah no yeah sora yeah i th- I think so far it's been working so yeah and i i've enjoyed it i've i've taught the last two weeks and then i have this one here tonight and then um we kind of like decide who's going to be the lead teacher and then mm-hmm. so uh after this, I'll have a few weeks off, I think, and Father Rich will be teaching. But I'll still be there, although one of the nights I'm supposed to do um, first reconciliation prep, I think. So I won't be there. So, okay. Yeah. Good, good. Um, is there anything big going on this week? Hmm. Well, the, the usual stuff. I think we have young disciples this week for Wednesday night, so tomorrow night. Um, and then we have a couple funerals on Saturday, one in each place, and I don't know if there's much else going on. Oh, the year's Friday is uh, anniversary. I always see it feels weird to say anniversary because anniversary you usually think of like a good thing, but I don't know how else to say it. The anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the legalization of abortion in our country, which is not a good thing, but it is what it is. And so there's a few things going on here in the city of Duluth. We have um, there's a Jericho march harkens back to look at Joshua, I believe, where they marched around the city of Jericho, mm-hmm. wall soon fell down. I don't know if they're expecting that on Friday, but Jericho March on Friday, 11.30, um, down at the women uh, Building for Women, which is different than the Women's Care Center, but it's Kitty Corner, so that's where they do abortions here in the city of Duluth, in our region. That's where they do abortions. They do other things in the building, but that's the place where they do abortions, and that's why they're doing that. Um, also on Friday, there's a candlelight vigil, uh, sort of prayer service, I guess, down at the courthouse in Duluth at 6 p.m. So those are both on Friday, 11:30 for the Jericho march, 6 p.m. for the uh, the vigil. So those things are happening. Okay. And that is going to be the topic that we're talking about today too. Uh-huh, yes. Is um, just kind of looking at uh the National Day of Prayer um, for the protection of unborn children and uh, and kind of just talking about abortion and uh, Roe v. Wade, how, how it's kind of affected the world and just, just kind of looking at it a little bit from there. Um, but before we get into that, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we, we come before you today. We ask your grace to be with us 
in our discussion, in our podcast today. Um, we pray that you would help us shed some light on these uh, sensitive topics, but that you would also help us to have courage as Catholics to to live our faith, to stand up for life and the protection of all human life. Um, we pray that you would enlighten the hearts of those who work in the abortion industry. May they come to recognize life and want to protect it. We pray for all those who are in situations where uh, maybe their life is threatened or they're considering ending their life or their child's life or all the different ways that life is under attack in our culture. We just pray that you would be with those who are most need right now uh, in regards to preserving their life or the, the lives of their children or people that they care for. And we ask these prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I think um, starting off talking a little about little bit about um just the yeah it's it's weird to say anniversary but that's kind of the best word for it i guess but it was so roe v wade happened in 1973 Mm -hmm. which i mean that's 50 years ago yeah so it's been like a long a long time long time which as i was looking at some stuff kind of preparing for this I mean, I I knew that it was that, like a, like a while ago, mm-hmm. but it I don't know it, it kind of sunk in. I was like, man, that was like fifty years ago. That was that was a, a long time ago. Yeah, and uh, it's it's like it's had plenty you know plenty of time to work on the culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it it just it just kind of just hit me a little differently. Yeah, like looking at that. Yeah, like. You and I were not born in 1973, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, um, I forget what the exact number is these days, but something like more than 50 million people have been aborted in our country. If you think about that, these are our peers, people that would have grown up with us and so forth. Every year there's, what is it, somewhere be- somewhere between uh, like 750,000 and 1.5 million that are boarded. I forget exactly the, the, the year, by, year by year statistics. It kind of has varied over the, the years. But um, if you think about that, like how many people in my class, how many people in your class, high school graduating class, were not there because they were aborted? Um, there was a group at UMD when I was on campus there called Survivors, and that was kind of the idea. It's like we, we are the survivors. We've, we've lived through this time, you know, as people talk about like the Holocaust survivors and so forth and people who have been through a traumatic thing. Um, I mean, not all of us are traumatized by it, but there's, there's a real reality that many people in our generation are missing because of this. Uh, abortion is, is a, a, a reality in our culture. So, yeah. And I mean, it's a very, uh, like sensitive topic, kind of like what you were saying. And, I think that's it's something because well one it's been very like politicized yeah which I guess is neither bad nor good it's just the fact of the matter mm-hmm. um, but uh, but it's also I mean there's people who have you know experienced it themselves very personally and there's a lot of just weight to that mm-hmm. or you know know somebody who's close to them that have experienced it yeah and um, I, I thought uh, you know Deacon John talked about 
this uh, during his, his homily the this uh, this last Sunday, and I thought he, he like at the end of it he did a good job of kind of hammering home like this is what we believe as Catholics, but yeah like there's also Jesus's mercy, mm-hmm. and because uh, I mean I could I could totally see if it's somebody who has like has experienced it like you know had a, an abortion themselves or you know um like pressured somebody to get one or like, or how, however it is or however you've been, you know, people could be impacted. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't, you know, disqualify you from, you know, from, from receiving Jesus and like re- receiving his mercy. Right. So. right. And that's an important message for people to hear. Um, because I think many people who get abortions or have had abortions or have thought about it, they don't feel free, really. I mean, the whole idea is pro-choice versus pro-life. And these are the two sort of political spectrums that we hear about. But most of the time, people that are having a, an abortion, they don't feel like they have a choice. And they've been sort of told that this is a way to um, avoid like the, the adverse effects of raising a child when they're not ready to. Um, so you can think of high school girls or college-age girls or women who are not married or um, being pressured into this either by their parents or by maybe a boyfriend if there's a man in the scene. Um, There are a lot of mothers who are married who also have abortions. You know, it's kind of a backup to um, contraception or something like that. And people say, well, I've had enough children. I don't want to have another one. Or, Or this child has birth defects or maybe we don't know exactly they're going to be healthy, and so we're going to end, terminate the pregnancy. They'll often say it that way. So all these kinds of things, there's there's a huge gradation of why people make this choice, why people choose to end the life of, of their child. Um, but most of the time, it's in some form or fashion, that person doesn't feel free. And so we want to be careful not to incriminate, incriminate them anymore. But when we talk about we're talking about the act itself and why we want to support a culture of life and saying we should try to help people bring their child into the world and give them hope for that child and not and hope for themselves and not just be um, petrified to go forward. You know, I don't know uh, where things are going to go in our culture, but it seems like right now we're so dependent upon abortion as a as a thing that if you just took it away, that would be, people wouldn't, they wouldn't know how to operate with that. And I think that's where you see this this large portion of people saying, we need to make this an option, have this as an option, as a backup in case something happens and we're in a situation where we don't, we're not ready for a new child. And as Catholics, I would say, we have to look at that and say, this is not the way, this is not the, this is not a good way to live. Uh, and we... It's a sign of our poverty that we uh, present it as a viable option for people, and believe that or not, that means that's that's the reality. So, yeah. Um, I guess from your point of view, do you think the church has done like a good job of like handling the like ab- abortion over the last like? Hmm. I mean, I guess you see the last fifty years, but even in our, like, in our lifetime, just, I guess, the way that, like, the church talks about it and mm-hmm. has conversations about it and deals with it, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. 
I think there, there's it's kind of in a mixed bag. You know, we haven't. I wouldn't say as as a universal church, we've been we've done super well, um, helping people understand why it's wrong or why it's why we say it's wrong. I think people look at it as a judgment, like you are telling me I can't do this, and you're not in this situation, so it's my choice, not yours. Um, so we take the child out of it. Uh, we take, you know, our own perspective and kind of... So I think as the church, we, we maybe haven't done the best job helping people understand that. I mean, I think initially when abortion was legalized, there was a large kickback and many Catholics were, were very strong. You know, you had people going to abortion clinics and like locking themselves to the door, things like barring the way and these kinds of things. Um, so that was kind of an, you might say, an attempt to kind of follow the the footsteps of Martin Luther King and their their protests of um, the racism that was in our country, which was successful, right? But everybody agreed that, well, not everybody, many people agreed that racism was bad or saw that as, as a bad thing. And so that movement kind of caught on and was powerful in the culture, um, whereas abortion, many people didn't have a problem with it. It was legal in many states. Not every state was legalized, so that's one of the challenges of the Roe versus Wade decision is it took that decision-making power out of the states, out of the people's hands, and the judges basically said, we're going to say whether it's legal or not. And that's another question of our courts and how they legislate sometimes when they maybe shouldn't. But, um, but the... The church as a whole, I would say, it's been a struggle. And I think we haven't made a good connection between, like, where did abortion come from? Why did it suddenly become a needed thing? We lived for a long time without it. I mean, there's always been, to some degree, abortions, right, in culture. Like, even if you go back to the Roman times, they would take a pill or ingest something that would try to kill the the infant um, or or disrupt the pregnancy and that sort of thing. but it really became more of a business model, you might say, since the legalization. Um, and I would say one of the things we fail to do is connect that with contraception. I mean, the pill came out, you know, and then um, you have Humani Vitae in uh, 1968, which kind of says, you know, we got we have to be, we can't use contraception as Catholics. And that was a, a big... Um, disconnect with people. Many people thought that the church was going to legalize or say that it's okay to contracept. And so that whole question came up and it was many people disagreeing with the church, many many Catholics saying the church is crazy. Why why are they not allowing this? Um, but there's a real connection. If you read the document, Humani Vitae, it's very short. It helps you to see why if you legalize and kind of make normal contraception, what's going to follow is legalized abortion. You can't have one without the other. And so uh, to make that connection, I think is important because if you just say it, leave it at legalized abort or make uh, make it illegal or legal one way or the other, you're missing like what's causing it, what's bringing about this desire for abortion, what's bringing about this sort of expectation that we need it. Um, if you don't address that thing, then you're always just dealing with the effect, not the cause. So... I think that's one one way we maybe have failed. We've very much spoken about being open to life and protecting life, and why abortion is and that abortion is wrong. But we haven't always 
help people to see like where did this come from and how can we really work against it um, as a church, as a culture. And I think in many ways that's where we have failed as a church. Yeah, I've I've heard, uh, I think it was a, like a talk at some point, but the, like somebody said, if we, you know, if abortion is like tomorrow, if, if Roe v. Wade is overturned and abortion's just like illegal now, like that's not going to really solve anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I guess to, to, to a certain extent, yeah. like it's not going to, it's not going to, like, yes, things will change and maybe there'll be less abortions because of it, but. The cultural problem that creates the situation yeah. is still present. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not. Yeah, solving the actual mm-hmm. issues, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it gets at the bigger issue of the breakdown of the family, um, you know, sex outside of marriage, all these kinds of things that have become normalized. And so because that's become normalized, like you're having children born, being born out of wedlock pretty regularly now. And because there's that situation created, Many times the decision is, I, I'm not ready for a child. We're not ready for a child. We didn't want a child, and we're going to abort the child. So, um, which is a sad reality of where we are as a culture. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a challenge to try to help people understand why this is not a good way of living. I mean, if people don't believe in God, if they are um, kind of living in a selfish way, you can see why they would believe that. But you have many so-called Christians, many Catholics, many people, you know, our president-elect, for instance, he's a Catholic in name, and he um, is pro-choice. You know, he says that that's fine. And he doesn't see that that that's a conflict with his faith. Like, um I would say as a church, like that that's one of the challenges we face is there's many people who are very educated, who are very um, influential in our society, who think that it's a good idea. And, and how, how is that, that, that they've disconnected the life of these children from, you know, the situation of, well, it's an unwanted pregnancy, or it's a unexpected pregnancy, or whatever the case is, an unhealthy child, or God forbid, rape or incest or something like that. I mean, there's there are these cases, right? So people will look to all kinds of things and say, this is why it needs to be legal. But at the end of the day, this child that's being aborted is being killed. Where's their voice? Where, who speaks for them? How their coming into existence was the act of two people, right? And so it's not... Um, it's not their fault that they aren't wanted. It's not their fault that they um, weren't born or aren't being born into a, a place, a situation that's ready to receive them and so forth. Um, and yet, in so many ways, in so many words, we say, well, that they're, they're not a person yet, so they don't get a choice. They don't get to speak. They don't get to, there's, there's, there's no right for them. So we're all about rights, but when it comes to this innocent life here, we don't want to give them a voice. So, I mean, that's, I would say, why we as Catholics say, this is this is wrong. You can't, um, on so many levels, this is wrong. So, 
But you can understand where somebody would, from the other side, from the pro-choice side, would say, well, it's my body, you, my choice, that sort of thing. Um, you, you don't have anything. You're not in this situation, so you can't make that choice for me. You can see where they're coming from to some degree, but um, it's disconnected from this broader idea of what is a human right, you know. Um, so, yeah. It's a, it's a complicated issue, but at, in some ways it's complicated, but in some ways it's very clear. So, Yeah, and I, I think it, it's, uh, yeah, it can just become, like, very, you know, emotionally charged because, um, mm -hmm. like, I know, like, for just, like, for me, if somebody's like, you don't know what I'm going through, I'm like, you're right, I don't. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not on the same, like, a level that you are, and I don't know what, you know, um, like, I can't think of the like pressure or anxiety or like whatever, right. you know, whatever somebody would be going through. Um, and that's, that's often the case with a lot of these moral questions that people are dealing with. They look at it from the personal perspective, the emotional experience of it. And they write off anything that would say, you can't do that, or that's wrong, or that shouldn't be done. Um, and they say, well, you don't understand. And, because I don't have the personal experience that this person is going through, that means I can't say anything on it. That's that's kind of the the argument, I guess. But when has that ever been the case that we we decide? Well, if I haven't experienced it for myself, if I haven't done that myself, then I can't say it's right or wrong. Like, you know, do we say that about rape or all these other heinous crimes, murder? Like, if if you haven't murdered before, then or if you haven't you know, been raped before, you, you can't say that it's wrong or you don't have anything, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yes, I don't. I haven't done that. I haven't experienced that. But I can say clearly that, that, that that's wrong. I mean, it's, um, we would, as Catholics, we talk about the natural law is life is to be preserved, right? So, um, an innocent life, innocent life above all, and a child in the womb is the most innocent of all life um, out there. So, um, we, we, it's a false argument to say that because you aren't experiencing what I'm experiencing, you can't make a moral judgment of whether this is right or wrong. But that's kind of the culture that we live in is we speak from emotion. We speak from, uh, this idea of experience. My experience trumps reason or anything else. So, um, it makes it very difficult to connect with people and, like you said, it's a very emotionally charged issue and reality. So um, very often people are not caught up into the argument of it and trying to make like a judgment of is this a right act or not a wrong act, but more so um, trying to say, you know, this is my experience, this is what I think, and it's not necessarily connected to reality. So, I mean... I think I, I said this in a bulletin column a while ago, but if if we if these children can speak, you know, if you think of like slavery, we don't we don't say that slavery's okay anymore. You know, it was a problem in our country, and thank goodness it ended, right? Um, but it took a long time for people to come around to that, and abortion. 
if these children could speak, what would they say? You know, what would what would what would they do to to try to per- convince people that they are a person? You know, so you have some people say that these children are not people because they're not a person yet; they're just a blob of tissue or whatever. You have that kind of thing, or you even have some people say, "I I grant that it's a person that it will become a person, but it, it it's attached to my body, so it doesn't have a right to my body." And these kinds of arguments are made, and and um, you know, so it gets it, it can get a little hairy of like how do I how do I address the real issue here, you know, and how do I not just delve into the politics of it or the emotional baggage that's with it, and it can be a challenge. I think, you know, um, when you talk about it from the pulpit, that's one of the things you're always trying to uh, relate is there's to, you're trying to reinforce the fact that abortion is wrong but also really encourage those who maybe are wounded by it to come receive God's mercy. And so it's, you're trying to do both things. Um, and uh, it takes, I think, an act of God or a, a grace of God to be able to receive it if you're, if you're thinking that it's legal or that it should be normal. So a lot of times you're, you're not really speaking to the hardliners, right? You're speaking to those who are undecided or maybe haven't made a judgment yet or, you know, haven't, haven't really decided yet. And there's always people out there like that or that are, you know, maybe had an experience that has brought something to question in their mind. And, and, um, so those are the people you're speaking to and who, who always responds is the hardliners, those who are pro-choice to the max. And like, that was a great homily father. Thanks for saying that. Or those who are on the other side and they're totally pro-choice and they, they say, how can you say, that we're not being good Catholics because we support this this thing and we don't agree with the church's perspective. Like, you know, they'll say those kinds of things. So um, those are the people you hear from. You don't hear from the people who are kind of on the fence or or maybe trying to decide what 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 is right. So, Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that being, like, really difficult just from, like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's something you feel... I feel obligated often to talk about, um, you know, when it, when it's this time of year, when there's an election, when there's any time when a, a momentous decision is being made in our nation to kind of sway this whole issue, not just abortion, but all life issues um, or teachings of our faith. Um, to speak the truth is important, uh, but to try to do it in a loving, respectful way and that's the tricky part, not to get politicized or to start um, uh, tearing people down. You know, it's it's uh, it's easy to do. And I think you saw that some priests in our last election kind of, I would say, went too far into the condemning. You know, they're trying to point out this is wrong, but sometimes it's unhelpful if you're if you're sort of taking aim at certain people and, and tearing down rather than sticking to the issue and saying, this is wrong and this is why it's wrong and help me, help me, let me help you try to think through this. Um, but it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think there's our, our culture in general, like all over the place we have, we have maybe lost the ability to take the, like the issue from, 
the we take it personally like yeah i think yeah i mean that's kind of a something with our culture we take a lot of things personally it's hard to take the issue Mm -hmm. from the person yeah and separate those two yeah and most of the time our first instinct is to, to approach things from the emotional argument which is when you're t- when you're trying to be reasonable and level-headed and clear-minded and really having a dialogue with somebody else, usually the emotions are not <laughs> that helpful because yeah. we get charged, we get, and then we start to, you know, get uh, invested on a personal level where we um, are no longer open to dialogue, but we're closed down. And I can see where that happens on both sides. You know, you to get passionate, it is a it is something we should be passionate about. But at the end of the day, if we're going to try to help people, we have to be um, trying to be a bridge rather than just um, a, a shouting match or a, whatever you want to say. So yeah, and I think another aspect to this, which I mean, this week is, or this Friday is, you know. It's a specifically geared towards abortion, and I think that's that might be the the big one in the pro life scene or mm-hmm. pro choice scene is abortion. But there's a lot more to yeah to these topics than right. just abortions. I don't know if you want to take just yeah, a little, yeah. like to talk a little bit about that too. So certainly the the issue of euthanasia in our day has become another battleground. You know people taking their life uh, either themselves or assisted suicide with physicians help or something like that that's also become a thing um, so to recognize the dignity of the person and to recognize God as the creator and he's the one that's going to call us when it's our time so that's become a, a big thing these days I want you know I, I don't know what the numbers are compared to abortion but I would say it's much less so far, but you know, um, as our culture becomes less uh, value, doesn't value life in the same way, and even people kind of have this mindset of like, I'm no longer useful. Maybe I should end my life, or I'm in a lot of pain. Maybe I should end my life. You know, people have again reasons for why they go down that road. Um, that's that would be an issue. Um, the death penalty is another issue. Now, I, I, I take a little issue with when people want to say the, the attention we should pay to the death penalty is just as important as the uh, abortion issue because you're talking on on scales much, much less numbers, right? So if we want to put time and energy into an effort, I can see where you would focus it on the abortion issue because that's, that's where you're saving hopefully the most lives by changing the laws and so forth and also impacting the you know the life of these people versus somebody who's maybe incarcerated for the wrong reason maybe not maybe there's a history there it's hard to know i mean everybody has their own story but um you know those who are executed by the death penalty in our country it's pretty pretty minimal you know in comparison now that doesn't minimize their life their life is still of value and um, because our country does have the uh, capacity to keep these people um, safely um, separated from the rest of society if they are dangerous and so forth, um, it's an issue. It is. But 
sometimes people will say, well, you're pro-life in regards to abortion, but pro-death penalty. Well, that, that I would say there is a little bit of difference there, but... Um, you know, if you kind of hold up hold up that thing and say, "Well, you're wrong on this, and we're right on this, and that's a compromise, and that we're we're good in this area, but not in that area." I mean, we should be across the spectrum. We should have the same values, but that doesn't mean that all the issues are lining up the same, right? Abortion, I would say, affects the most people. Then probably euthanasia, um, death penalty would be a, a far smaller number of people. Now, again, all these things are wrong. And we shouldn't um, we shouldn't spare the effort to try to make the argument why they're wrong and so forth, and, and try to promote the, the preservation of life. Um, but you know, those, those I would say those probably be the main three. There's other ways you could approach it. Um, I think sometimes people with this um, current climate would talk about racism as as being detrimental to lives, um, I would bring up the um, the whole marriage question being detrimental to, to lives. I think if you look at where people are who are depressed, who are suicidal, all these kinds of things, um, it's because they're coming from homes that are broken, so the family has been disrupted, the life of the family. And now all this stuff with the gender stuff, I think that's a whole other population that is kind of being fed into this system where they're they're being led astray into places where, where their life is maybe being threatened because of the lifestyle and the, the things that they're being told about themselves or to believe or whatever. But that's, I would say those are more tangential and more, it's hard to see that the exact connection right away. But these are all areas that I think stem from a similar breakdown of the, of the family, the, the nuclear family, the mother, father, children being raised in, in a home with, with parents. So, um, I don't know. That, those are a few areas, I guess, that would be related. So, Yeah, thank you. Um, just a, a, a little light topic for the for a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, right, right. No, Hopefully uh, people weren't expecting a tea time with the <laughs> queen or something. <laughs> um, um, as we kind of finish up from this episode, I don't know, do you have any like closing thoughts or final words? Um, I guess I would just say to those who are pro-choice, you know, um, we want to talk with you. We want to help you. Uh, we want to understand your perspective. Um, it's important to understand one another, to have a dialogue. For those who are pro-life, um, you know, keep keep praying, keep doing your part. Um, this is a, a cause that's not going to go away, and we need to keep um, doing our best to not only change the laws, but change our culture and change our our um, sort of all the people that are, have been affected by abortion, all those that will be affected, and those who are in a situation where they didn't choose abortion, but now because of that are maybe feeling like they're in a tough spot. So mothers who are single, mothers who are, have been abandoned or, you know, children who have been put up for, for adoption or whatever, these kinds of situations, 
um, we need to be consistent with our viewpoint. And that's one of the things that we're often accused of. So uh, inconsistency of like, you care about the child when it's in the womb, but not when it's born, these kinds of things. So um, I just say it's an area that we need to, as a church, continue to talk about, pray about, um, and ask the Lord's great mercy and guidance. So, Great. Well, thank you, Father Eli, and thank you, everyone, who is uh, listening to this. And uh, we will catch you again next week.